And I specifically remember a moment we did our first sales webinar where we created a product and we sold it on a webinar and we brought in a lot of money in one hour. Right. And we finished the webinar and I looked at Jay and we both thought to ourselves, we can never do that again. Because ultimately it was not aligned with the values of the business. And it took us about two, it took me as the leader about two years to get the confidence to say, just because this is a proven model for other online training companies doesn't mean it's aligned with our values. Right. And so we walked away from behaving that way. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am super, super excited about bringing this next guest to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I have uh, got Jeff Woods, who has created a company called Productive. He's the co-founder and president. And Productive is also a Gary Keller and Jay Papasan organization. Gary Keller is the Austin-based Keller Williams Realty. It's the largest real estate franchise by agent count in the world. 700 offices, 120,000 associates across the world. And it's the number one training organization across all industries in the world. And uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papasan wrote the one thing and were looking for somebody to partner with, Jeff Woods, to create a business that shared uh, the learning and lessons of this amazing book, which is one of the most popular and New York Times bestseller, number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, two million copies sold, et cetera, et cetera. So I really, really encourage you to listen to this podcast. Uh, there's some information at the end where we where, where we can direct you to some just resources and a bunch of the resources are free for your learning and uh, and listening. and. Um, I know you're really going to love it. And yeah, you're just, you're just going to love it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited, as you can tell, which is not something new. So you know what I'm up to is, do you know any amazing young students who are looking to have a really huge career? Please send them my way, Thompson at studentworks.com. You can send them to our website, studentworks.com. You could just share this podcast and hear about what we're up to because it is spring. 2021, and we are just having an incredible year developing all sorts of amazing university students across this country. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. I, I think our meetings have been uh, changed uh, multiple, multiple times, which just says to me how busy you are. Really appreciate you jumping on with our young leaders. It's my pleasure, and thanks for being flexible with my schedule. Ah, uh, no, no, no stress at all. So, uh, well, I'm locked in here in Ontario, so it's just like, okay, all right, I get to speak with Jeff. So fantastic. But let's take you back to, you know, so those teenage years or university. You know, mm -hmm. who who was Jeff? What 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 was he dealing with, uh, et cetera? Yeah, ever since I was a kid, I remember my parents saying, um, 
that I was always very goal oriented. My mom used to joke, you know, if you dangle a carrot in front of Jeffrey, like he's going to go for it. And I even remember growing up, going to temple, we're Jewish. And um, the, our family friends would always say, we don't worry about him. And I never quite understood why or what they meant. Now I understand it. Like I thought it was normal that as a kid, you have ambition yeah. and that you set big goals and you go after them aggressively. I've come to find out that that is a certain type of person that is not universal. You, you fast forward. I went to college at UC Santa Barbara. So I, I you know, literally had a, my room was on the beach. My, right. You looked out our window <laughs> and it was water. It was a very tough life. But I had a defining moment, a few defining moments, actually. I was studying accounting and I loved accounting. Right. I remember between my junior and senior year, I did an internship for one of the big accounting firms. And it was offer day. Right. And I sat down with the partner and he had an offer in front of him. And he started to slide it forward across the table. And halfway across the table, he stopped his hand. And he looked at me and he asked a question. He asked, why aren't you in sales? And I remember thinking to myself, because you're, off, you're about to offer me about $40,000 <laughs> for a job out of school when I haven't even finished school yet. Yet the words that came out of my mouth were, I don't know. And he said, if you really want to work here, call me in six months. You can have a job. But I think you belong in sales. And that was the first time in my life where I realized I was so focused on climbing the ladder and following a path that I had never looked up and, and made sure that it was leaning against the right wall. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so I started exploring sales, worked for a startup tech company doing sales. And the, the CEO at the end, when I was about to graduate said, I can't afford to keep you on, but you should go and get great sales training. The truth is you don't know what your degree is going to do, but if I can give you one piece of advice, it would be that you focus on mastering a skill that will serve you no matter where you go. And I would advise based on your personality, that be sales and that you get world-class sales training. And uh, that's when my journey really began. Yeah, no, it's, it's, well, it's really great when leaders and, you know, uh, you know, are really looking at the person and, 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 and first of all, they are, he, he, he is uh, doing that in his company's best interest as well. Although you would be a really strong candidate, clearly you marked all the boxes, really smart, personable, hardworking, ambitious. And if he invites somebody onto the team and they're not interested, it's not going to work out. You know, and, 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 and funny on my podcast, just a little while ago, one of our alumni was on and he joined one of the big accounting firms for about eight months. And he said it was the worst eight months of his life and he left, you know, so that wasn't a good result for any of them. And then getting directed in the, in the right spot. So who did you, who did you join for the, the training program? Yeah. He, he recommended two companies. He said, look at Xerox or look at IBM. Yeah. They have two of the best sales trainings in the world. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to work for Xerox. Yeah. <laughs> so I cut my teeth selling copiers, which I mean, that is a very tough job because I don't know a single per I don't know a single customer that's like, yay, my copier rep. Like you <laughs> face rejection. And oh, by the way, my first year was in 2008 after the crash. Wow. Yeah. Real tough. Yeah. But I didn't know any better. So I'm just like, oh, of course everybody says no. You just got to figure out a way around it. And after a few years there, I worked my way up into management pretty fast. I, I discovered this world of medical device sales. Okay. And I realized, oh my gosh, I mean, you can get paid to put on scrubs and 
actually sell devices inside of hospitals. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And went there and from there co-founded the company that we now have today. Oh, wow. Because my understanding as well is, is for our listeners and leaders listening, you know, sales as a space, there's some really great feeder companies, as you mentioned, and then other companies go and grab them. And so great talent from Xerox, these medical health companies, they come in, they pay better and, uh, you know, neat, cool opportunities. So, so yeah. And that's what happened. And, you know, for me, the idea of medical device was the ultimate, Mm -hmm. like that was the ultimate sales job. You, you've kind of reached one of the pinnacles in terms of lifestyle, in terms of income. And I had this, another defining moment in my life where things were good but I was lacking fulfillment. Right. And colleague of mine had a stroke when he was 35. And I remember my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County, just had our first child. My wife made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I was standing in the kitchen wondering if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what would happen to my family? The very next week, my company made a change to our commission structure. And overnight, I lost 40% of my income. Yeah. You put those two things back to back and I suddenly looked at my job in a different way and realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually not in control. Yeah. And it was in that moment that I heard this Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I love that quote. It's such a good quote. <laughs> such a and good quote, yeah. A lot, while a lot of people have heard that, very few people have actually grabbed a pen and paper and written down who their five were. <laughs> I did. And that created an interesting realization, which was I had five amazing friends. Mm-hmm. What I was missing was five amazing mentors. Right. People who had already built a business that made a massive impact in the world and delivered real security for their families. So that just sent me on a journey to surround myself with people who are where I wanted to be. And you fast forward, it was our national sales meeting. And I walked into the ballroom and on the stage, on this big screen was this, this image of the book, The One Thing. Right. And then Jay Papasan, who co-authored the book with Gary Keller, walked out on stage and for the next hour, he told this story of why it was the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Yeah. How Gary used it to turn Keller Williams from a small little real estate company in Austin to number one in the world with 200,000 people. And when he came off stage, I cornered him because mm. I, I just, I wanted to form a relationship. And that's little did I, I know at the time that the one thing had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. Right. And that he and Gary were actively looking for somebody to partner with to turn the one thing into a big company. Wow. And it ended up becoming my opportunity. It really is fascinating. And 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 obviously they're looking for somebody who is again, like you said, passionate. Like obviously you need the skills, you need the 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 capabilities, but but a real passion for it, right? And I, and I can tell that, because uh, I've, I've heard you speak about this before, I can tell you that that's something that really spoke to you. So what spoke to you about the, the one thing and, and, and the concept of, of the book? It was more, here I am, and ideas are being shared that are expanding what I perceive to be possible. Okay. The idea that the path to getting everything you want doesn't start by doing everything. Right. It starts by doing one thing at a time. And just like dominoes, you'll stand them up, you'll line them up and you do the first thing first. And I'm reflecting on my sales career going, oh my gosh, I wake up every day working so long, working so hard, but I can't tell you what my one thing is. I don't have time blocked on a regular basis to do my one thing. I haven't formed habits that ensure that I invest my time instead of spend it. Right. It was just, it was these ideas that were so big yet so simple. Yes. That I'm going... 
holy smokes, what would my life look like if Jay was one of my five or if Gary was one yeah, of my five? No kidding. Right. <laughs> and that's ultimately what it came down to was what would it take for these guys to be one of my five? And when Jay finished speaking, he got a standing ovation. Everybody erupts out of their seats. And when they sat down, I found myself still standing there. And Chris, you ever had one of those moments where your mind was telling you to do one thing, but your heart's pulling you in a different direction? <laughs> yes. Yeah. My mind was saying, Jeff, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> but my heart was like, dude, go run. And I literally sprinted down the side of the ballroom because I wanted to be the first person to chat to Jay. I had no clue what I was going to say to him. Right. But because I ran, because I spoke to him, it began the relationship. Right. And the door was open for me to partner with him and Gary to turn that book into a company that helps people better invest their time. Well, that's fa that's fascinating. And I see one of the other things that you did, and I, I didn't get it, was the Mentee Podcast. So what, yeah. what, was, what was that? As I started focusing on surrounding myself with five mentors who are where I wanted to be, it was the night before a conference. I was sitting at the hotel. We were at the outside by the pool having a cocktail. And I remember sharing my journey and how I realized I needed mentors and how I started to find these people and who some of these people were. Mm -hmm. And some of these people are, are pretty interesting characters. Like you would know the companies they've built. Right. And somebody looked at me and said, dude, you should start a podcast. And I said, what are you talking about? They're like, why don't you just start a podcast and record the private conversations you're having with these guys? Cause I've never had access to a guy like that, but you do. Uh -huh. And so I literally started this podcast and called it the mentee because I was the mentee and I was seeking mentorship on how to go from employee to entrepreneur. Little did I know that in 10 months it would happen. Fascinating. That's awesome. And so one thing, you know, I'd love to know more about is Gary Keller um, <laughs> because he is, uh, you know, for our leaders, you know, literally the most successful person in real estate, right. In, in, in residential real estate and in, in the world and has built just an incredible company and, uh, is a, is a really a leading thought leader. And, and I say that not just as someone who's read his books and listened to his podcast, but also one of the, the leading Keller Williams people is one of our, our alumni of our program. And she runs, she runs a couple of his offices in the greater Toronto area. And she just speaks so glowingly of them. Yeah. Gary is an incredible human being. Um, the, the, the things that I really respect and admire about him is one, if you talk to him without any context, you'd have no idea he is who he is. Right. He's so down to earth, just a cool guy. He also has an amazing superpower, which is he can say things and share ideas that are so big and so earth shattering and say them in such a simple way. The ability to simplify yeah, yeah. life-changing ideas is a superpower of his. And I'll say, if you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, the thing that I also have really respected is he's, he's playing the legacy game. He very much cares about his legacy and how people view him. And so the number of times that I have witnessed or been aware of a deal where he gives at least 51%, mm -hmm. right? Because he understands that if, if you have a win-win deal, he can stop worrying about himself and start asking a different question. Like, well, how do, what do I have to do to make you as successful as possible? Because if you're successful, then as a byproduct, 
so am I. Right. And I think it's a great way to go through life and to go through business. It certainly is. And really, um, th- that understanding of something, making something so simple beyond complexity is, is something that I've, I saw as well. In, in And so one of the things that I thought would be great about is just to sort of share about the one thing and maybe some stories and how it's impacted so that our, sure. our leaders can go, how can I go make this work in my life? Sure. Well, first, we have to fly to 10,000 feet. Okay. Everything we do is about time. It's our most valuable resource, and we have a problem. The problem is most people listening to this are currently spending their time, not investing it. Right. Chris, what matters more, time or money? Uh, time. It's, it's so finite. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever invested money by chance? Yes. <laughs> when you make an investment, you have an expectation of something. What is that? A return. Right. Yeah. And so we fundamentally understand when we invest money, we expect a return. Mm-hmm. Yet time is more valuable than money, but we don't hold our time to the same standards we hold our dollars to. Right. Isn't that interesting? Well, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it, and when you see really successful people, they are looking at their time like that. They are saying, That's- how am I going to spend my time? It, why, why it took me 10 reschedules to get you on this podcast. Okay. Because you're yeah. really looking at your time. Uh-huh. <laughs> a surprisingly simple truth. Yeah. And extraordinary results. You just hit it. People who achieve extraordinary success invest their time. Yeah. They don't spend it. Yeah. And I remember the, a great story that will really resonate with people. In my first 90 days, I was asked to cast a vision for the organization. Mm-hmm. And we have a model for creating a business plan called a GPS. It stands for goals, priorities, and strategies. And just like the GPS on your phone, it's designed to get you to where you want to go. I walked into the boardroom and handed Gary and Jay each a copy of my GPS. Now, this is literally a one-page business plan. The entire business plan fits on one page. Because when you do that, it forces you to narrow your focus down to the things that matter most instead of everything else. And there there was a goal written at the top, and then I had three main priorities for the organization. And Gary and Jay asked a bunch of questions about number one. I answered them, asked if we were good to move on. They said, yes. So I started talking about number two. Halfway through number two, Gary started asking me more questions about number one. I remember thinking to myself, oh, he must've forgotten. Let me answer the questions. Are we good to move on? Yes. So I went back to number two, wrapped it up, started talking about number three, and Gary went back to number one. You ever seen the movie, Meet the Parents? Yes. <laughs> you know, the circle of trust. Circle of trust. Yeah. You're, you're, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. <laughs> you were leaving the circle of trust. Yes. Yeah. Why is it that Gary keeps going back to number one? I could not figure it out. All I could do was the best that I could in answering the questions and asked, are we good to move on? He said, yes. Yeah. I started talking about number three. And after 10 seconds, he stopped me and he asked, Jeff, do you need to do number three in order to do number two? I said, no. He said, do you need to do number two in order to do number one? I said, no. He said, then do me a favor. Draw a line between one and two. And he waited while I took a Sharpie and drew a line. And then he said, you know what? Even better, rip the page in half. Chris, I kid you not, he waited while I tore my business plan in half along that line. And then he said something that really changed the way that I viewed my time. Right. He said, don't even think about number two or number three until you've earned the right to. Yeah. And, and. What he meant in that moment is 
I was dividing my focus saying, I've got these three things. So let me move number one a little bit. Let me move them two a little bit. Let me move number three. And all Gary was saying is take a page out of your childhood. When you used to play with dominoes, you didn't line up dominoes randomly and knock this one, then go and knock this one, then go and knock this one. You, You understood the best way to knock them down was to stand them up, line them up and whack away at the first one first. Yeah. And the questions he asked, like, do you need to do number three to do number two? He was asking, are my dominoes in order of priority? And if that is the case, then just start whacking away at number one, because number two and number three are a distraction until you can knock number one down. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Our business, to tell a backstory, we were doing really well. It was like we were just so hot when this business got started 30, 40 years ago. It was just a new thing. And there was this, just a glow around it. And all of a sudden things changed in the marketplace. Who knows, who knows what it started not getting as hot. And so we used to get all of our recruiting done in the fall. And then we'd focus on sales and marketing January to April. And then in the summer they'd run their businesses. And we experienced what you were saying, Jeff, well, things are getting tougher. We're going to work harder. And we started recruiting in January, in February, and March. So we'd recruit seven months and then not train them as long, not work with them as long in sales and marketing. So against all the other companies that do what we do right across North America, we said, if we can't recruit them by December 15th, when the holidays start, it's over. And we just go with the group. And that decision of focus, that decision of the one thing made our business transform. And the results we create in our business are so much better. And that's why, because then we, as as a result of that, we gain the amazing people that we need to go and run a really great business. So I so get the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unconventional way to go through your days because unfortunately in school, we weren't taught to invest our time. Right. We weren't taught, and especially when we get out into the into the workforce, we weren't taught to look at everything and immediately go, it doesn't matter equally. So what matters most? Yeah. And as a result, over decades, people unconsciously form habits that impose a ceiling over what's possible. Mm-hmm. Our job is to break that. Yeah. And I think as well, there's also just a focus, you know, around weaknesses and, oh, let's work on everything equally. And so, you know, instead of if we get really, really great at something in your business, it can really make a monumental difference and you can gain real, um, real capabilities that you wouldn't have otherwise. So in terms of, in terms of the business productive, how has that progressed over the last five years? Yeah. I mean, we've had explosive growth every year, year over year. And productive is the name of the company. And, yeah, you know, for, for us, it's about creating content that reaches millions of people, building authority and trust so that they get on our database so that we can further develop a relationship. And then, you know, people become customers, whether it's, we have an online training community that we've got thousands of people across the world who go on this journey of living the one thing together. We have an events division. We have, I do a lot of corporate training. So helping companies, whether you're small to the fortune 500 actually create productive cultures. Right. And ultimately we're developing technology. And, and so, so with, um, you know, how has COVID impacted, uh, your business? Yeah. So there are a lot of great lessons here. Um, when COVID hit, I got a call from Jay and he said, your GPS, your business plan is dead. 
I'm divorcing you of all financial commitments you made to the board. The world has changed. Right. Your job right now is to build a protective moat around our customer base. Do whatever you have to do to keep our our customers. Get on the phone. We called it the Adele script. Get on the phone and start asking people, hello, how are you? (laughs) Like literally, (laughs) I started picking up that phone and calling customers, hello, how are you? Like what's going on? How are you doing? How is this affecting you? What can we be doing to, to support you if it free pay didn't matter? And ultimately, we had about 90% of our top line revenue that was at stake. What I was unaware of is that, well, Gary said, there's a gift in every shift. Yeah. And a recession or a shift is just another word for exposure. It right. just exposes things. And what COVID exposed for a lot of companies and individuals is they, weren't, they were unclear about what mattered. Right. The world has changed. What are the priorities for my business? My people no longer can come into an office. Mm-hmm. How do I make sure we're on the same page? How do I hold people accountable? How do I know what they're doing if I can't walk over? And I mean, these are the things that we teach. How do you be clear and aligned with your team on the things that matter most? Right. So ultimately, we had the best year that we've ever had, which was a true blessing. Yeah. And I, and I love as well is, is what you know you and Gary chose was this was the one thing. So it was going to be about client retention. It wasn't going to be about anything else. And and just making that choice is is so powerful, you know, to be able to go do that. And unfortunately, this is some good fortune. We started as an online training company. Mm-hmm. I've been facilitating webinars and virtual trainings for seven years. Right. Yes. So then we started doing in-person stuff. So when in-person went away, shifting, focusing on virtual was ain't no thing. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. I doubled down and really looked out and said, who are some of the best people in the world when it comes to virtual training and how do I model what they do and incorporate it? And we took what we do to a whole new level. And in in many ways I can bring more value today virtually than I can when we're in person. Right. Yeah. No, well, we ran our first virtual training ever, uh, a six day training. And and usually it was uh, a four day training. We lengthened it to have more groups. We had more breakout rooms. And and the feedback we got from people who had done both is is that that was better. Now, again, they still, they, you know, it's not like post pandemic, we're not going to bring people together, but there's just so much value in what you can do over Zoom. If you know how to be a facilitator mm-hmm. of ideas, not a sage on the stage, a guide on the side, yeah, we know how to unlock the collective genius of a group and channel it towards something that can be focused and put into action. And you can unleash massive value doing that. And so what key skills or habits have you developed over you know, since becoming, uh, you know, getting out of school and, and, yeah. and going full time. I'll preface my answer by saying there's a, there's a quote in the one thing from FM Alexander that's very relevant here. It's people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. Ah, yes. Yeah. And their habits decide their futures. And I heard Gary say, he was quoting Warren Buffett when he said, you know, the habits of our lives are like chains that are too loose to be noticed until they're too tight to be broken. Yeah. Most people have unconsciously formed habits that are like chains 
that are too loose to be noticed until they're too tight to be broken. And I was on that path. The moment I got into business with Gary and Jay, Jay looked at me and said, the fastest way you can get out of business with us is to not live the book. Right. And the book is ultimately about habits. So what's, how do you become the type of person who decides to form habits that decide your future? (laughs) So right off the bat, I got purposeful and looked at, (laughs) asked who's the person I want to become and started intentionally forming habits that would unlock a lot for me. In everything, one of the, one of like, again, I've read, and listened uh, to to a lot of Gary. One of the things that just so stands out for me is standards. Mm. He is really, really high standards. Now, and it, it doesn't seem like impossible standards, but just they are just so clear. Here's what oh, yeah. I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to operate. Here's what I'm expecting of you. Can you can you speak to that? There's a quote from a, a guy in our world named Gene Rivers. It said, "Standards without consequences mm-hmm. are merely suggestions." Okay. A lot of people think they have standards, but what they actually have are suggestions. Right, right. And this just comes down to clarity. So for us, standards are a huge deal because it it means get really clear on what matters. Yeah. And 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 hold it. Mm-hmm. And for for us, what I would say is relevant for this group is a standard that we have is that the best part about your job is it's your job. Right. And the moment you try to give me back pieces of your job, you no longer have a job. So let's. Be, so this comes down to clarity. So what is your job? Mm-hmm. Most people, when they think of a job description, they think a job description is everything that somebody needs to do for that role. And it's wrong because it treats everything like it matters equally. Right. And it does. And, that, and that's the number one lie of productivity. Yeah. What we call a job description is the two to three things somebody has to do exceptionally well or they are fired. Right. And when you, when you start to look at a role that way, if you look at your org chart and instead of titles and names, you strip that away and rope down priorities as the president of this company, my job is vision, growth, being an ambassador, those three things, right? That's my job. That's not anybody else's job. That's my job. And if I stop doing that job, I no longer get to keep my job. Mm -hmm. My vice president's job description is very different, right? Right. So like there's, we are clear on what are the 20% priorities that our goals require this role to deliver. Right. Now that was very intentional language, by the way. Yeah. Not that I want you to deliver. I think you should deliver. Our goals require that this position do these two to three things exceptionally well. Right. Now the question is, Are you a fit for the role? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's crystal, crystal clear. And that is not what's done. Like that is, that is very uncommon and no, no kidding. The uncommon results that Gary gets in the world. Well, and we have to ask why, Mm -hmm. why does he get those? And part of it was a matter of, some of it I think is just natural Gary. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it is necessity. Keller Williams is a franchise model. And the only way Gary was going to be successful is if he could succeed through others, specifically a voluntary army. Right. 
doesn't control them. They're franchisees. So what Gary had to do was first and foremost, figure out how to be successful in business himself, but then build models and systems that could scale. So he can literally hand it to a franchisee and say, this is how you run a business. Those same things got handed to me and said, this is how you think like a CEO. This is how you run a business. Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, and, and I'm sure a bunch of leaders were thinking, how, how would I get my hands on that information? <laughs> so the, read the one thing. Read the one thing. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> so, so what about biggest failures or mistakes and how did you learn from them? One that I think is relevant is um, there's a quote, and I wish I could pay proper attribution, but I can't recall who said it. Your values aren't your values unless they cost you something. Right off the bat, I was told that I had a massive challenge because Gary and Jay invested five years researching and writing the one thing so that the bar for quality would be exceptionally high. It's why it's one of the highest rated business books of all time. And Gary said to me directly, your job is to raise the bar, not to lower it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, game on. I also knew from conversations with Jay that there was no amount of money that we could make that would warrant undermining Gary's reputation. Of course. We had to play a higher level game. Yeah. And when we started, we said, okay, we're going to be an online training company. And we started looking out at who else does other online training? What's their business model? And we started to study email marketing. That was the playbook right. we thought right. for us. And we started following that playbook to the T and it was effective in generating short-term revenue. But what we realized was that ultimately, while it might generate cash in the short run, it undermined trust over the long run. And I specifically remember a moment we did our first sales webinar where we created a product and we sold it on a webinar and we brought in a lot of money in one hour. Right. And we finished the webinar and I looked at Jay and we both thought to ourselves, we can never do that again. Because ultimately, it was not aligned with the values of the business. And it took us about two, it took me as the leader about two years to get the confidence to say, just because this is a proven model for other online training companies doesn't mean it's aligned with our values. Right. And so we walked away from behaving that way. And there was, I was fearful and rightfully so that it might impact the, the top line revenue of the business negatively. Right. What I was surprised by is when we started living within our values, the company exploded. Hmm. So the, the moral of the story that I learned is don't follow others just because they say that's the way that it should be done. You still have the right to ask the question, is it a fit for me? Right. And based on that, how do what's the version that I want to follow that's aligned with my values? And so, so I understand and not to sort of share anything that's proprietary, what was different about how you marketed versus the email marketing? Well, here's a simple example. We're in the business of time. We should be saving people time. Right. The model that we were originally following would say, send them 12 emails over seven days so that you increase your conversion. But by sending 12 emails over seven days to somebody, I was not saving them time. I was wasting it. Okay. Yes, it drove conversion. And if we did that over time, ultimately, we would undermine the trust with every single person on our list and we wouldn't have a business to market. Okay. Got it. 
That's great. Yeah. <laughs> now we ask the question, how do we send one email a week when a lot of email marketers would tell you, you should be sending at least an email a day. Right. So it's like the unintended consequences. You know, the, the first order consequences, sales go up. The second and third order consequences is we impact our brand. We impact the success of our business and our right. reputation. That's right. And it was so clear to me, I was doing a, um, a training for an, a group of executives for a fortune 500 company. And I got to the end of the training where I was going to like give them an, an, an offer to download something free that I thought would bring value to them. And I stopped because what I realized was the moment they put their email in, they were going to get entered into an email automation that was going to send them a ton of emails that ultimately I wouldn't want an executive of a fortune 500 company seeing. Right. Here they are, they paid good money for us to come and speak to their people. That would have undermined their perception of the brand. Right. And that's why I went, holy smokes, we got to change this. That's awesome. And so, you know, if someone were considered venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, what, what, what advice would you give them or would you share with them? First thing I would say is no one succeeds alone. Yeah. I knew deep down I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I had to make a decision of which did I think would allow me to make the biggest impact and have the most success. If I went out on my own and crossed my fingers, or if I found people to do it with who could shepherd me and mentor me along the way. So I decided instead of starting my own thing and owning 100%, I'd rather start something with somebody else and have a smaller piece of a much bigger pie. That proved to be a massively powerful decision because five and a half years in, I now think like a billionaire because my partner is one <laughs> and he, he has those models and systems that document. I was literally talking with Jay, my other partner yesterday, and I was just expressing gratitude for some of the things that I had learned about contracts and stuff like that. And he said, you have to understand Gary has done, I know for a fact over 1,800 massive business deals. And when we talk, we're talking partnerships. Yeah. At least 1,200 of those are franchise agreements. Like exactly. You're talking long-term and the lessons that he has learned over 40 years about being in business with people and partnerships and how to get out of business, that was handed to me on a silver platter. Yeah. So the things that I now know to look for when structuring agreements you would only get if you had done that many transactions over 40 years. And I have that at the age of 35. Yeah, that's So my advice for somebody who's wanting to venture out is who has done it before you? And how can you seek their mentorship? How can you seek their coaching so that you collapse time and accelerate your learning? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, because in many ways, the roles that you were in were entrepreneurial. You know, and, you know, sales roles, like, you know, you're an entrepreneur within a business, you're, you're, you know, you're, and, and again, with less control, uh, and obviously, um, you know, that, that, that morphs, but, but making that decision, I, I so agree with you because, because again, just starting a business on your own, there's a lot to that, right. To, to getting it right. You know, that's one of the biggest things I do is I, I just, I, I bought this business. So it's not like I created it. Obviously we've morphed it, improved it, improved it, improved it over the decades, but to actually create an, an opportunity that is unique and differentiated. So challenging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and especially considering a lot of people are, are early in their career, mm -hmm. I would ask you, what are the skills that you can develop and hone? 
mm-hmm. that will serve you no matter where you want to go. For me, I was very purposeful in pursuing sales. And I was very purposeful in choosing accounting to study because I knew it would serve me no matter where I went. And those were two of the three things they were looking for in the person to start this company. They wanted somebody who could, who could sell, who could, who understood finance, who knew how to turn content into dollars. And with the mentee, I turned that into a hundred thousand dollar business in 10 months. So because I was purposeful on the first two, it set me up to start my own thing on the side with the third. And those three dominoes falling is what qualified me to run this company. Oh, fantastic. So um, before my last question, anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. Um, if this has resonated with you, the the highest value that we can get is if you choose to invest your time by diving deeper with us. Mm-hmm. And you're already listening to a podcast. So whatever player you're using, just click the search icon and type in the one thing. Right. The O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G. Every week we have a new episode where I feature people who are living the one thing. And frankly, they fail every week and they do better than they did before. So it it really helps you on your journey to better investing your time. If you want to learn more about what we do, our website's theonething.com. Instead of spelling it all out, it's with the number one. So the number one thing.com the one thing.com. And I would encourage you to check out the training page. We got some free courses there and online training events, all that stuff. Fantastic. Uh, so Jeff, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I think of somebody who teaches people how to think. I love it. And that's our definition of leadership. Leadership is teaching people how to think. And the moment that you put that lens on, and look through it, you realize that how you show up, how you behave with your people all needs to be focused on teaching people to think. And I'll give you a perfect example, Chris. That means that when your staff comes to you and asks a question, you don't give them the answer. Absolutely. It means you say, my job as a leader is to teach you to think. What do you you think? think? And let them give you the answer. And then your job is to play coach in teaching them how to think. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we, we coached that. Um, the first person I heard, uh, Dan Sullivan, their strategic coach, yeah. he teaches about thinking about your thinking. And I know Gary, Gary gives uh, some of some props to, to, to Dan and, and, and his program. I, I've done it for a number of years and uh, just really, really, it's, it's, it's not what most people do, you know, being okay. really mindful and thoughtful. And, and uh, I appreciate your mindfulness and thoughtfulness and making a contribution here uh, for our, for our group. And uh, again, um, really excited to be uh, getting this out to our, uh, to our audience. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay. You bet. Have, have a fantastic day. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. 
and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.